I don't know about you guys, but when I first came to the Lord, and I was telling Mark earlier this week, seems really foolish to me now, but the first year me and Heather got married, super young in the Lord, and it bothered me so much that I might miss the will of God. Like, I actually lost sleep over it. And one of these nights where I couldn't sleep because I was afraid of missing God's will, and I was rationalizing in my own mind, well, God, what if I think it's you, but it's not you, it's actually the devil, and I end up doing something thinking it's you, but it's actually him, and so I won't be in your will. How could I know the difference between doing your will, my will, or the enemy's will? (laughs) I got three choices to choose from, (laughs) and I couldn't rest, and... Heather was already sleeping. I looked at the clock, and this sounds spiritual, but anytime I say anything that God ever did, there's such a natural element to it that you could miss it if you're not paying attention. Nothing that God has ever showed me is super spiritual. Matter of fact, most time I feel less than spiritual. <laughs> I don't feel like, oh, I'm some super spiritual man. You know, no, I just, I'm a man who's in love with God because I found out how much God is in love with me. I looked at the clock this night, and the clock was brighter than I had ever remembered seeing it. Whether the clock got brighter or just in my mind it was brighter, I have no idea. But I automatically knew that that was a page in my Bible I had to turn to. But there's no way to describe how I knew it. It just, I knew it. So I got up and I grabbed my Bible, and I opened it to that page number, and my eyes fell on a verse in Isaiah And it said, whether you turn to the right hand or to the left, there'll be a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. The voice of God is the one that directs us. And the voice of God can come from the Word of God, but it can also come directly to our spirits. I didn't know much Word. (laughs) I didn't know there wasn't a verse in Isaiah saying that whether you turn to the left or to the right, there'll be a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I can't remember reading that verse since then, but I never forgot it. Ain't that amazing? Because it became alive to me. And a word that becomes alive to you is not a struggle to remember. Especially if you get a now word and you know it's God. It does something inside of you. It gives you hope. It gives you confidence where fear was or anxiety. It gives you confidence and an expectancy that God will actually lead me and direct me. So when it comes to the will of God, what is the will of God? Have you ever asked yourself, well, God, should I do this or should I do that? Well, I'm not sure if this is you or if this is me. So we're trying to find the will of God on the outside. We're looking for God's will in a place, a time, or an event. But what if the will of God wasn't a place, a time, or an event? Because I always believe that this is the will of God whether it's here, whether it's there. If I'm not over here, then I'm out of God's will because he's over there. But what if the will of God wasn't that? What if actually you were the will of God? And what if you couldn't miss the will of God because you can't miss the will of God if you are the will of God? It's in Luke chapter 17. I'm not going to turn there, but it's in Luke chapter 17. It's verse 20. And the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say to Jesus, Show us when shall the kingdom of God appear? And Jesus told these Pharisees, the kingdom of God will not appear with observation. No one will say, look, right there it is, or look, right here it is. And then he said, for the kingdom of God shall be in you. 
And then you look in Matthew chapter 6, I think it's verse 10. The disciples say to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here Jesus is referring to when the kingdom comes, the Father's will will actually be done. He linked them two together. So if the kingdom of God is inside of us, then all of a sudden we become the will of God because the kingdom of God is inside of us. We become his will. So wherever we go, there he is because he's inside of us. We're no longer thinking that we can step in and out of the will of God. You can't step in and out of the will of God if you are the will of God. Does that mean that you can't make decisions that God doesn't approve of? Yes, but will your decisions take you out of his will? No, because you're the, his will. If you're his will, how could a decision that you make take you out of what you are? It doesn't make sense. But because we've been indoctrinated through religious philosophy saying that you can step in and out of the will of God, all of a sudden, when we feel like we're going the wrong direction, we feel like Jesus isn't present. Is that true? If you thought you were outside of the will of God, could Jesus be there? No, he couldn't. But what if he would really never leave you or forsake you because it's not a place, a time, or a destination, it's you. That you are actually the will of God. Because the kingdom of God is inside of you. And wherever the kingdom is, that's his will. Amen? We're going to turn to John chapter 21. We're going to start in verse 1. Later, Jesus appeared again to his followers by Lake Galilee. This is how it happened. Some of the followers were together, Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the two sons of Zebedee, and two other followers. Simon Peter said, I'm going out to fish. The other followers said, we'll go with you. So all of them went out and got into the boat. They fished that night but caught nothing. Early the next morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the followers did not know it was Jesus. Then he said to them, Friends, have you caught any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net into the water on the right side of your boat. You will find some fish there. So they did this. They caught so many fish that they could not pull the net back into the boat. The follower Jesus loved very much said to Peter, That man is the Lord. When Peter heard him say it was the Lord, he wrapped his coat around himself, for he was naked. Then he jumped into the water. This is a time where Jesus was already crucified. They hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit, but Peter wants to go fishing. And it would be the equivalent of us wanting to go back into our old lives. Because they weren't going fishing for dinner. It says that they fished all night and caught nothing. And then in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. This is what they did as a profession. They were literally fishing all night long. They weren't going to catch dinner. It's the equivalent of us returning and going back to our old lives. And if we did that, would you expect to see Jesus on the shore if you were out of his will? You wouldn't, would you? I mean, Peter denied Jesus, right? He hasn't been restored yet. We won't hear Jesus restore him till a few verses later. He denied Jesus. He's going back to his own lifestyle, one that was apart from Jesus. And you hear Jesus call out to them, and he says, 
Children, do you have any bread? Children, do you have any bread? Any fish? Have you caught anything? Not only did Jesus call them children, he cooked them breakfast. And not only did he cook them breakfast, he provided them with about a year's wages. And if you think you're outside of the will of God, would God cook you breakfast and provide you with a year wages? Would he? What's the scripture say? That we shall be built upon goodness. Ain't that what it says? It says that great shall be the peace of your children, for you shall be built upon goodness. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. See, as I'm reading this story, I can imagine John telling this story, because there was only a few of them there, telling this story to another follower or maybe a friend, and he goes up to his friend and says, you know, we seen Jesus yesterday, and his friend says, well, tell me what happened, what did he say? How did it happen? And John says, Peter wanted to go fishing. And so we all decided to follow him. And we all went fishing. And we fished all night, and it just got worse and worse. We didn't catch anything. It got so bad that Peter started taking off his clothes. Because when you read that, it's like the thing that stops everything. You're like, hold on, he's fishing naked. You forget that Jesus is on the shore. You forget the big catch. You're just like, what's this guy doing naked? And I can imagine, as John's telling this story to this guy in my mind, I can imagine the guy saying, Peter was fishing naked? You mean like naked, naked? John's like, yeah, butt naked. And he's like, that's weird. And John's like, it was super awkward. And he said, then this guy called out from the shore after we caught all this fish. And John's like, I'm not even sure if it was the Lord. And I just said, hey, Peter, that's the Lord. It's so funny to me because I could picture John in his mind saying, if anybody can get Peter's clothes back on, it would be Jesus. <laughs> Honestly, it's like one of the weirdest things. When I read it, I'm like, that's just super weird. And John could be trying to describe it. Well, it's been super rough. You know, Peter denied Jesus, and he thought he's out of his will. And the further we went on in the night, it just got worse and worse. It went from catching nothing to nothing to nothing. He was so distraught. It started with his shirt. Next thing you know, his pants were off. And next thing you know, he was naked. <laughs> That's what I call severe depression. <laughs> and you got to understand, there's people who've never fished. Nathaniel, Matthew, these guys aren't fishers. They're not fishers, and they're probably thinking, like, is this normal, John? <laughs> I've never been on a fishing trip before, but is this actually normal? They're like, no, I mean, we ain't never seen them like this. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> but Peter put his clothes back on, praise God, because Jesus was there. And the reality is, is that if you think that Jesus is not with you, you'll be spiritually naked. You won't have no clothes. You'll be vulnerable to everything. You'll feel the shame of what it feels like to be naked in front of other people when you've really been clothed with such a glory, such a majesty. Amen? Amen. Since you became a born-again believer, have you ever felt like you were out of the will of God? Have you ever questioned if you were in God's will? We all have. It's all something we struggle with. But it's not something we have to struggle with anymore. Because when you become the will of God, you're no longer trying to manifest His will or trying to find His will. You're just walking in what you are.
I told Heather the other morning, I said, you know, I've never seen Jesus cook anybody dinner. <laughs> I forgot that. But I said, I've never seen Jesus cook anybody dinner. Yeah, he multiplied the food. I said, but I've never seen him cook dinner. I said, you know, I've seen Jesus cook a lot of people dinner through my mom. But my mom would never think that was Jesus because it comes natural to her. She would never think that what is natural to her is actually the will of God because it's a natural desire in her heart. She would never consider that actually ministering to somebody or ministry. We've had talks where she's actually told me, I need to be doing something for the Lord. I feel like I'm not doing anything anything for Him. And all of a sudden, you feel less valuable. She felt less. I've been there. I'm pretty sure we all have. All of a sudden, she felt less valuable because her performance wasn't up to par. Ain't that crazy? But she'll cook for unlimited amount of people, won't complain, don't want you to help, don't want you to do the dishes. She'll do all that, and it's her joy to do it. But because she thinks that ministry is somewhere outside of her ability to minister from what comes natural to her. It's the same thing, Heather, a couple weeks ago. We go into Target, they have a Starbucks. She goes and orders a coffee. There's this transgender guy working there, and he's dressed up as a woman. And Heather told me, she said, I'm going to find something to compliment him on. And when he served her, she complimented his hair. And people behind her started laughing at her like she was stupid that she didn't know he was a man. Isn't that crazy? But that's natural to Heather. Heather wouldn't really perceive that as ministry because it's natural. She always tries to find the best quality in a person. She don't build upon negatives. She usually looks for strengths. But that's ministry. Only a few of us will be up here. And even the Apostle Paul said, don't all of you desire to be teachers and leaders for you'll be judged at a higher level. What does that mean? That means you'll have to give account for what you was over to manage. That you'll have to actually give an account for it. But ministry is not here. See, if I turn this into ministry, and all of a sudden any of us are chasing ministry, we lose sight of the ministry. Because to minister is ministry. It doesn't have to be in a church. The majority of people's lives will never have a ministry in the church. They will be part of a church. They will help the body. They will do all that. But if you take away your value just from where you are, not based upon what you did in church, if you try to find your value based upon what you do in here, you'll miss every opportunity out there. Because you're the will of God. You're not trying to find His will when you are His will. Amen? I'm going to read this here in John. It says, Dear friends, we should love each other because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has become God's child. And so everyone who loves knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And you know, I've read that in the past and I actually thought that through loving people I could know God. Because it says if you don't love, you don't know God. So we think if we love people, by loving people we can know God. So all of a sudden, love 
becomes a work, and we're trying to love people. Love was never meant to be a work because love is not a work, it's a person. It's through our intimacy with God that we actually become like that person because that person is God. And God is inside of us. And he wants to work through us. Have you ever said to yourself, God, if you would heal this person, or if you would do this, or if you would do that, thousands of people would come to you. Because we think that God's highest goal for sending Jesus is salvation. God would heal you if nobody ever knew about it. Because when he heals you, he does it for you, not for them. Salvation is not the end goal. We'd just be whacked as soon as we accept him. He would just take us out of here. It's not. The whole reason Jesus came to earth was that so that we could know him. But even evangelism becomes work because we think in our evangelizing we will know him or that people will see him. But what if you, just by being you, they could see God? Just by complimenting somebody who usually gets insulted all the time, they could see God. What about just like that? What if there's something in you that draws people to you because you're the will of God? The will of God can't be found out here somewhere. People leave everything they know and they travel to foreign lands or leave a ministry they're in to go somewhere else because they believe that maybe the will of God is over here. But what if we weren't searching for the will of God on the outside because we are the will of God? You can't miss God's will when you are His will. When God saved us, He didn't save us to become servants. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. God didn't want servants when He saved us. He wanted friends. He wasn't looking for ministries. He was looking for friends. And out of that place of friendship with God flows a ministry to the world. Out of friendship. Because anything God calls us to do, He wants to do with us. See, a servant thinks I have to do for you. A child and a friend thinks I get to do this with you. And anything God calls us to, it's with us. And it's for us. It's not just for Him. He knows our best life is in Him. Our best life. Because man was never meant to be disconnected from God. And when we were connected back to the Father through the Son, all of a sudden we became one with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we became one with Him, we became His will. Because His will was always to live in us and walk among us. His will was always that we would be one with Him. That was His highest will. His highest desire was us. Everything He went through in this earth was for us. Everything that's being prepared in heaven right now is for us. And me and my mom were talking, and we were talking about people who went before us, whether it's Ethan, my Uncle Ethan, my Aunt Kathy, my grandma, just people that just went before us. And she was like, I wonder what it's like in heaven right now. And I was like, it's crazy busy in heaven right now. They're preparing for the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
because she was like, I wonder if they think about us. I said, yeah, everything they do is in preparation for us. But they're not just sitting around. They're preparing for the wedding supper of the Lamb. They are busy. They are super busy preparing something that we're going to inherit. Not because of us, but because of Jesus. Amen? I can tell you that you never have to be afraid of missing the will of God when you are the will of God. Anything that brings fear is not God. Any voice that says to you, you can't do this, is not the Lord. It's not. Shouldn't do this is different, but can't do this. There's a lot of stuff that we shouldn't do that we can do. Any voice that tells you that you can't do something, especially if it's in God, is opposed to God and it's opposed to you. Because God wants to move in our lives to where people stand around us and say, only God could do that. Because I know you. He's faithful. He's amazing. And we never have to worry about missing His will when we understand that we are His will. Amen? I'm going to end with this excerpt. It's out of uh, the Throne Room Company. The Throne Room Company is written by Sean Bowles. This is what he said. I want you guys to pay attention. He said, A friend of mine had a vision of heaven. He saw the outer courts, the inner courts, and the Holy of Holies where Jesus stood. The friend went first to the outer courts where he encountered many well-known ministers of the last century who had incredible ministries of teaching, healing, and prophecy. Surprised to see them in the outer courts, he approached one of the more famous Christians who had lived during the 20th century and asked with genuine interest, why are you not inside with Jesus? The man looked at him with a smile, because I love my ministry more than Jesus. I spent more time with ministering to people than I did with him. The man had no shame and was clearly grateful to be in the company of heaven. However, my friend was saddened about his own life. Then my friend was transported into the inner courts, where he, he recognized a modern-day hero of the faith. Why aren't you in the Holy of Holies, he inquired. The modern-day hero did not take offense at the question, but responded truthfully. I cared more about understanding and wisdom than I did about being with Jesus. My life revolved around an intellectual understanding, not around my relationship with him. Again, my friend was convicted and a little disheartened by what he heard. Finally, he was ushered into the most awesome presence of the Holy of Holies, a radiant love emanated from Jesus. My friend could barely see because of the brilliant light in this room. Below the throne, he noticed a frail woman holding the hand of God. Searching his memory, my friend could not place her among the leaders of Christendom. Then slowly he walked over her and discovered that her gaze was fixed on Jesus. Hesitating at first, he finally interrupted her and asked, Will you tell me who you are? Without taking her eyes off Jesus, she replied, I'm his. But how did you get into the Holy of Holies, he asked her. For a split second, she took her eyes off Jesus to look at him, confused by the question. Her eyes were radiant with the power of his pleasure. She answered, I just loved him. All my days on earth, I only had love for him. Wow, you must have had an incredible life. What kind of miracles did you see him do through you? My friend asked. She spoke soberly, indicating great brokenness. Actually, 
He was the only thing that made my life worth it. I didn't do anything that anyone could consider profound. I just spent my days with him because I had nothing else. But he loved me. He is my miracle. Puzzled, my friend quizzed her further. Didn't you have a ministry? Some sort of gifting that prepared you for this? No, she replied. I wasn't very good at anything. I didn't have a good voice to sing to anyone but him. I didn't have an eloquent speaking ability, so I never taught. I didn't get prophetic words for others. I just loved him and those he put in my life. My friend was amazed that someone who seemed to live an unsuccessful ministry life was in the Holy of Holies, so close to Jesus. Makes you want to shift your whole focus, doesn't it? It does me. Because we think the greater the ministry, the greater the Jesus. But what if it was the greater the Jesus? What if we were so aligned with God because we realized that we are the will of God? And that His number one desire is for us to know Him as a Father. Not for us to serve Him as a servant, but to know Him as a child. When He called out to Peter and them, He said, children, have you caught any fish? Peter had denied Him. He went back to his old life. And Jesus is calling him a child. No wonder he jumped out of the boat and swam back. Because when you hear Jesus calling you child, this is in Jesus' glorified state, all of a sudden something awoke in Peter. All of a sudden he remembered the first time Jesus entered his boat where he cast his net to the right side. And he remembers the word, follow me. He remembers falling on his knees and saying, I'm not worthy. Away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. He remembers those words of Jesus, come and follow me. All of a sudden, he's healed of brokenness. All of a sudden, he's not holding on to sorrow. All of a sudden, he has hope. All of a sudden, he doesn't believe that he's out of the will of God anymore. All of a sudden, he believes that Jesus can come and find him. Just like he did at first. <laughs> Peter wasn't a great man looking for a savior. Peter was a sinner looking for dinner. He was. That's who he was. If you would have seen Peter before Jesus, you wouldn't like Peter. Because Peter would tell you about yourself and not apologize. Peter was probably a guy who beat up your brother. Honestly. He didn't care. He didn't care. He was blunt. Peter probably spent some time in Juby. <laughs> Peter was a man's man. You know he was. Only disciple to rebuke Jesus? Only disciple to draw a sword and cut off somebody's ear? He didn't get this boldness all of a sudden because he was walking with Jesus. Peter had this inside of him. Peter had the ability inside of him and the rage inside of him that if you touch something he loved, he would take your life. That's the kind of man Peter was. And after he denied Jesus, he felt like that old man because he felt like the will of God all of a sudden left his life. Horrible. So when he hears, children, do you have any bread? Well, he knows he's in the boat. If you say children, that means that everyone in there are children. He could care less about the fish. He realizes I shouldn't even have been out here. He swims back to shore. If they want the fish, they can have it. This is what I want now. 
this is what I want, I didn't think you would probably ever appear to me again. The thoughts of hanging myself just like Judas did came to me. Do you understand the attack that Peter was under for that time, those three days before Jesus came back? Judas hung himself because he betrayed Jesus. And you know the pressure of the enemy on the mind of Peter? You should hang yourself. You're no better than him. You're no better than him. You denied him. Why don't you hang yourself? Why don't you hang yourself? Why don't you hang yourself? It's nighttime. Peter is literally still awake. They're no longer working all through the night anymore. He actually is in the ministry with Jesus. And it's nighttime and he wants to go fishing. Probably to shut that voice up. He wants to go fishing. He wants to go back to his old life. And there you see Jesus. Right in the midst of Peter wanting to go back to his old life. And children, have you had any bread? He cooked them breakfast. It's amazing. And then he blessed them with like a year's wages of fish. Peter didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve the first catch. He didn't deserve Jesus to be in his boat the first time. But it wasn't based upon what Peter deserved. It was based upon who Jesus was. And he knew that Peter in him could change the world. And he knows that Gene in him can change the world. Marty in him can change the world. Michelle in him can change the world. Any of them. He knows the value of a life. He knows it. And you can never miss his will when you are his will. We are the will of God. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace and your tender mercies, which are new every morning. I thank you that you loved us with the everlasting love and that you surround us, Lord God, with angels and that your presence engulfs us, not only in us, but on us and all around us. I thank you, Father, that you're everywhere in the earth. And I thank you that your number one desire is to manifest who you are to your children, that we really would know you as a loving Father as a caring God, as a helper, that literally you would give us the ability to change our focus from our circumstances and put them on who you are. And that as we focus on who you are, that your plan would begin to unfold in us and that you would work it out through us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.